Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hello and welcome to episode 153 of Slam Fire Radio for April 29th, 2016. I am one of your hosts, Trevor the Frelate. I am another one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot. And I'm Kelly Lynn. And I'm Adriel the Hunting Gear Guy in your show. Kelly, you need a you need a handle. Totally dropped the ball. Well, You're I'm, supposed to say I'm the classy one. Well, I'm the classy one, so I'm actually not saying anything. No, classy. that's not how this works. <laughs> it's classy to say you're classy. Okay, I'm classy. All right, <laughs> moving on. Matthew, tell us about airports and controlling pests and the like. Okay, that's pretty much it. You've summed it up. Excellent. Trevor, what <laughs> is Trevor? <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, what I did in guns actually coincided with what I did in airplanes this week. Um, I was out at the airport, and as uh, most of you know, I, I usually don't go anywhere without a firearm uh, in my vehicle with so me. Finally mounted one to the plane. Good I w- for you. I was going to. I, I've been chatting with a, a guy who uh, who suggested I should put a couple of cooies on the, the strut so that it's an all-Canadian with all-Canadian guns and everything. Have a little, it, you know, it'd be just as good as an F-18. I'm just going to say, <laughs> that's true, by the way, but I'm just going to say, NEAs are also Canadian. Oh, Whole that's Canada, true. Yeah. But I, there's just something quintessentially Canadian about a cooey. It even uh, starts with a C. Totally no? on purpose. That all wasn't right. an accident. And they were made where? Cool. I don't know. Colburg, Ontario, which also starts with a C. C, C, C. F, R. Wait, that's something else. Anyhow, I'm out there, and, uh, you know, we're flying around, and there are, uh, well, there's a murder of crows. That's a group of crows, for people who don't know. There wasn't really a murder, well, except that there was, but anyway. there was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these crows were hanging out um, right at the end of the runway, and they were making, taking off and landing, um... You know, a little hazardous, and as anybody knows, airplanes and birds don't really mix all that well. And so, uh, I obtained the the permission from somebody who runs the airport to, you know, put a couple of the crows down. I didn't get a couple of them, but I did get one. Uh, but, uh, word spread. <laughs> yes, word <laughs> spread very quickly, actually. So I, I got a crow. He went down. Uh, I splayed him out upside down in the middle of the the grass. Right For all the, of the crows to be that's old. right. Look at what I've done to your brother. That's Here's it. Your warning. And that works. I mean, they they don't like seeing their dead camaraderie or their dead com- comrades. comrades. Yeah, comrades. There we go. There's a word. It starts with C as well. But uh, anyway, yeah, so it's good. for a cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a valid use of a warning shot, then. You shot one of the crows as a warning to the others. There you go. Not encourage him. What are you doing? (laughs) This is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, that that was pretty much. Well, no, that's not true. I actually took my um, my warrior shotgun. That's a little single shot uh, folding in half shotgun out on the four wheeler this evening, and uh, I didn't get to shoot at any animals, but I did shoot at some targets of opportunity while I was out. I, I brought my little sub caliber insert and a bunch of twenty two shells as well, and fired off some twenty two out of my shotgun. 
uh, along with a, a couple of bird shots, just uh, just for fun, just to get out there and make some noise and stuff. So, you know, not nothing organized or terribly exciting, but I've been pulling the trigger a little bit, and it's uh, it's fun. So, that's pretty much what I did, Trevor. It's your turn. Cool. Uh, more brass prep. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I've given myself like brass prep isn't um, annoying enough. I found more things to do to brass. So. Um, uniforming the primer pockets and deburring the flash holes. I ordered a Sinclair brass trimmer, which is touted to be the most accurate brass trimmer in the world. And once that gets in, I will then order a neck turner so that I can just completely take brass out of the equation when it comes to accuracy for my rifle. I'm trying to uh, produce the most consistent, accurate ammunition that I can. So I've been chatting with some of the... um, There's a F-class target shooter at my club from back in the day who has uh, been doing this longer than I've been alive and uh, builds target rifles and all of that. And him and I are actually going to get together and uh, I will organize it and he will host a reloading clinic for my club. So I'm looking forward to, to getting that going. And then um, on the weekend, unfortunately, I didn't do any shooting because I was at Promotion Plus um, for the uh, the gun club. We put a booth in there every year. It's not a gun show, but it's a it's a show to showcase local businesses and, and organizations. So they put our booth right next to uh, mental health, which kind of became an ongoing joke. And when I was questioned about whether or not I thought it was an issue to be next to mental health, I said, no, their being next to us does not offend me. I'm okay with their presence at the show. That's fine. And uh, so that was kind of funny. Uh, but I pulled a uh, pretty good prank on Muffin. Some of the listeners know that uh, Muffin's the president of the gun club. And they also know that I have uh, RCMP friends. So there was an officer who was coming by to visit, and I called him before he got there, and I asked him how his acting was, and he said, so-so. I said, well, you better brush up because I need you to pull a prank on on the club president. I asked him to make sure he brought his badge, arrived, you know, dressed in civilian clothing, and asked to speak to him. I said, ask to check the security of our guns to make sure that they're locked in accordance with the regulations for a gun show ask for our certificates, ask for our ATTs, you know, just because I want, I know he's got all the stuff, but I want to watch you make him scramble. Well, he does better than that. Have you folks ever heard of a recruitment license? <laughs> what? No. Can't, can't say that I have, no. Yeah, because there is no such thing as a recruitment <laughs> license. But luckily for the cop in question, Muffin didn't know this. <laughs> he walks up and he hook, line, and sinker, he baits him. He goes, hi, how are you? Oh, good, blah, blah. Can I buy a membership here? Yeah. So I can join your club right here, right now. You will send me away with a membership card, and I can go shooting today. And he's like, yeah, of course. Why not? Okay. He says, well, I need to talk to you for a second in private. And he shows him the badge. And the color bled from his face. I saw him coming, and he winked at me. So I turned my back on Jason and started to mess around in the cash box, counting memberships and all this good stuff, just to totally pretend I don't know what's happening. So he says, I received a complaint from the CFO's office that you're selling memberships. He says, you're not allowed to sell memberships here. He said, this isn't a gun a gun show. You need a recruitment license. This is completely against the law. You're looking at a $10,000 fine or six months in jail because you're the president of the club. And again, what little color had left and had Jason had left in his face. He was drained. He says, uh, anyway, so he calls me over. Jason goes, Trevor, don't sell that membership. At this point, I'm selling a membership. And I... <laughs> 
the guy who I'm selling the membership to is like, what's going on? Why is there a talk here? So, and I'm trying not to laugh, but I'm also looking kind of nervous. So Jason says, uh, Trevor, come here for a second. So I turn around and he goes, it, it, there's, a, there's a problem. There's a, there's a problem. So I said, what's going on? So, uh, my cop buddy explains this whole deal to me about, uh, this membership or this recruitment license. So I start, I, I start playing it up, right? I cop an attitude. I'm like, man, you don't know what you're talking about. There's no, like, I, uh, what? Say that again. So he says it again. And I looked at him. I looked at Jason. I put my hand on his shoulder and I turned towards Jason. I said, he's the president. And I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing Jason said to that officer when he was walking away was, don't look for Trevor's body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty awesome. Um, and then I had one woman who walked up to the booth and saw the guns and did a, a step back like like they were rabid pit bulls about to tear a child apart. And she looks at me and goes, are you selling those? I said, no, with the same kind of tone in my voice that she had. She goes, well, thank God. And the first thing came to mind, I just, I just said it. I was like, lady, God's got nothing to do with it. They just ain't for sale. <laughs> yeah, she... Uh, no, she didn't even do that, Matthew. She just kind of looked at me, vomited in her mouth, and kept going. <laughs> so um, my uh, Paratus SL arrived, and I'm actually more impressed with it, Adriel, than I think you thought I was going to be. Fit and finish? I Okay, I get the stock doesn't line up with the receiver very well. It's probably a generic stock that they put on a couple of their different guns, mm-hmm. so it doesn't fit this one quite as nice. My forend, I know you were saying you didn't like the forend fit on mine. Locks up tight, perfect nice lines the thing i like most about the shotgun is how bloody light it is yeah it's it's really light in the forehand eh? it's the whole thing it must be a little bit of a of a beating when you put a three inch magnum through it yeah i shot uh, quite a bit of three inch magnums this weekend as well Hmm. no i if anyone is considering like like go look at adriel's video not the live one where we heckled him but his (laughs) that was fun (laughs) which uh, it helped me sleep a couple of times i gotta say adriel a couple times this week i couldn't sleep i put it on it was asleep right away i actually tried to watch it three times i finished it today for the first time don't don't take that personally he does that with all my videos too he just he just falls asleep because he needs noise it's it's not saying that it was boring although it was but keep racking up the videos i don't care you're both right. No, no, it's true. Um, so anyway, go if you're interested in the shotgun listeners, definitely check out Adriel's video. Well, all of his videos. Your your channel is is awesome, Adriel. I got to tell you. Um, the point that Adriel makes in this video is, where can you get a 12 gauge shotgun for 250 bucks? Like it's almost impossible. So here is not only a brand new 12 gauge shotgun; it's a brand new semi-automatic 12 gauge shotgun chambered in three inch. Um, yeah, if I didn't. If I didn't buy it on impulse, if I didn't have the Versamax, I would definitely keep it. I'm really impressed with it. For the money, can't go wrong. And my fiber optic, Adriel, is actually kind of fiber optic-y. It's not thick. Oh. Yeah, it's not it's better than cake. Yeah. You might have got the end of the strip or something that day. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I moved out a couple of guns. I, um, I sold the H&K before I even did a review for it. I wanted to love that gun. I took it to the range once. And I just had no desire to work with that gun or, you know, mags are 90 bucks a piece. Holsters are only starting to come around now. Uh, mags are 90 bucks a piece. So <laughs> um, there's some decisions that they made about the gun that I don't agree with. Uh, I'm not a fan of the sights. The sights are simply glow in the dark. They're not adjustable at all, which is not totally uncommon. Um, 
on it's an inexpensive fire. gun. You wouldn't really expect uh, adjustable sights on it. Part of me. <laughs> That's sarcasm. I, 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 I didn't. It's not only did I not catch the sarcasm, yeah. I just didn't hear what he said. <laughs> oh, I said it's an inexpensive gun. You wouldn't expect uh, adjustable sights on it. Right, like like the Ruger SR9, which is tremendously expensive. That does come with adjustable sights. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Not only are they not adjustable, they're not actual tritium. They're just glow in the dark. Um, and they, they're not square in the back, so you can't rack it off a table or off your belt if you need to. And it has an ambidextrous slide release, but the weekend side is just, it looks like an afterthought that was done by a grade nine shop class. Um, the trigger is not all that fantastic. I'll take the trigger on my Glock 17 or 19 before the HK anytime. So, so I moved it out and probably next year I'll pick up a Walther PPQ. Uh, I think the five inch. So. The other thing I moved out were my two Lee Enfield rifles. Um, sold really? those before I shot them. They're just kind of, a snuffleupagus is just going to keep them warm for me for a little while. <laughs> I'm trying to free up some money to change some optics around on some of my rifles. Uh, Luke Giroux, friend of the show and Bang My Switch Boutique website, he, he bought the Bushnell 3200 off of my Thompson Center. I've never been super happy with the accuracy out of that rifle, and I think that the uh, the glass on that rifle may be part of the reason. It's an okay scope, but I ha- now have some high-end Vortex optics and a loophole optic, and uh, uh, I'm seeing the difference in quality. So um, what I've done is I've taken the Vortex Viper 3-9 to off of my Savage 30-06 and put that on my 223, and tomorrow I'll be placing an order for a Vortex Viper HS 4-16, to with a 30 millimeter tube and an adjustable objective. And then the Bushnell Tactical Elite that's on my 308 TAC 21 build, that's coming off. And I'm going to put a Vortex HST 6 to 24 by 50 on that. Um, so moving some scopes around. Yeah, that Vortex uh, 6 to 24 is sweet. It is. The HST yeah. line is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice turrets, adjustable objective, of course. So it's not, I mean, the Bushnell Tactical Elite I have is nice, but it's mill dots. And um, it, what, what is it, first or second focal focal plane when the reticle changes size is when you first. adjust first. So it is a first. So that does help when I'm trying to, you know, when I put it to 24 power and I'm trying to shoot something out at 500, the reticle does shrink down, which is important. But still, I was shooting an 8-inch plate last fall at 500, and once the reticle came onto the plate, I could barely see the plate. And I don't think that's unreasonable. An 8-inch plate at 500 yards, or meters rather, you should be able to see that behind your crosshairs. Yeah, that's the, like with an FFP scope, you need uh, a finer cross. It, it, part of the problem is that when you're zoomed right out, you're if you're running a really fine crosshair, it's hard to pick up, but when you're zoomed in, it, it becomes a lot thicker. So, I mean, it becomes a uh, a bit of a trade-off. That's why a lot of uh, a lot of them are going with uh, illuminated dot, kind of in the middle, just to help with uh, visibility when they're zoomed out. Hmm. I'm looking at the MRAD reticle. I'm not sure if you're <laughs> familiar with that or not. Uh, I haven't uh, I haven't shot one with that yet. It makes aiming off for wind easy because you're not out in space. There's lines all throughout the bottom of the reticle that you can use as aiming points. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, that's it for me. What about you, Adriel? Uh, yeah, so I, I mentioned there I went out and shot. So I, I bought two Partis SLs. One of them, one of my buddies said, hey, pick one up for me too. So I ordered two of them. Uh, I took them both out to the range, shot them. They both ran. I, I, I brought some three inch magnums to, uh, 
break it in if necessary, and it totally wasn't. It just ran. It it ran the light stuff. It ran the target stuff. Uh, no problems at all with there. Um, and uh, and it was fine. Other than the charging handle. So like when I <laughs> the, the charging handles are a really tight fit. Did you check yours, Trevor? Did you even try taking it out? Uh, no, I just. No, I couldn't find my vice grips, so yeah, I just, just don't. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. Yeah, no, I won't bother. I oh, saw. Oh man, yeah. So, so there is no special spot to put them when you when you look at the the carrier and you look at the bolt. There is no lock on there. It's just using a detent, and it is. I don't know why, but it, they're they're so finely uh, machined and or fit so that those charging handles fit in there that like super duper tight. Anyways, long story short, I never had the charging handle all the way in. Uh, I thought I did because it clicked, but apparently that was just the detent going up on the flat spot, not on the little dip it needs to. So it wasn't being retained. And when I shot, it would hilariously come flying off. So I took some video of that and posted I it. Saw the slow I saw it... the slow-mo video of that self-ejecting charging handle. It was so good. <laughs> Oh, uh, it wasn't, wasn't artistic, just the, the charging handle just slowly coming off. And <laughs> Artistic I, is a word I try and avoid using, but um, sure. Well, yeah, spinning through the air. Now, uh, one funny thing with those shotguns, uh, there's, no, there's no adjustment with the gas system. The gas system is a gas system. It does not adjust for uh, charge. So when you shoot three-inch magnums at it, it rocks them and it throws them like 20 feet. So it must be, uh, I don't know, it just must be beating up the back of the... Uh, uh, receiver a bit when you're when you're shooting those. Now maybe it'll just they'll beat each other into alignment and that bolt will snuggle into the aluminum after uh, making a spot for it. But yeah, it was it was pretty hard on there. Anyways, I I I've got a review on that thing uh, on on my site uh, written in video. Um, what else did I do? Oh yeah, so um, I also uh, shot video for um the Alpha Arms 15SA, which is just like the BR99, which is just like I don't know. I think there's, we're up to like a half dozen of these things now. These mag-fed uh, Turkish semi-automatic shotguns that kind of resemble the AR-15's controls. Um, did a video on that. A video on the Anschutz RX-22 Precision, which is like a version of that ISSC that you're reviewing, Matthew. Um, difference being this one uh, uses the Anschutz barrel, and I think they have a trigger group that they that they put in there as well. It's also got like a wood stock uh, that's fixed. So it's this one's more of like a uh, more of like a precision rifle than the ISSC one, which is more like a modern sporting rifle look and feel, I guess. Uh, let's see. I did the review on the Osprey Ordnance bolt release, that uh, that paddle that goes on your uh, bolt release on a shotgun. And yeah. And then, so I had these two SLs, my my one buddy that I was supposed to meet up with and uh, uh, give him his shotgun. Uh, he turned out to, we, you know, our weekends didn't match up. He's out of town. Um so I told him to buy another one and I sold it to, <laughs> I sold it inst- instead to a guy at work. <laughs> so it's a little bit more convenient for me to uh, sell to the guy at work than to ship his shotgun when wholesale sports would just ship him like a new one. Um, they're actually out of the 12 gauges now. So you can't get a part of SSL in 12 gauge. They've got well, some figures. 20 gauges. Um, but the 20 gauges don't have like, this is going off the picture, which the picture is not the right thing anyways. Like at wholesale sports is just, randomly picking these things i think but uh, uh it's showing a picture of one with iron sights and not with a ribbed barrel and i don't really like irons like a rear and front sight on a shotgun i'd rather just have a bead so um i was thinking about the 20 gauge but now i'm, I'm not really thinking about it so mm. i don't know very cool adriel anything else this week no that's it 
Awesome. Kelly. Yes. Oh, classy one. What have you been up to? Not much, actually. I didn't go to the range again this week. I did some stuff volunteering last weekend. So I actually went to the gun stores, though. So I did go to SFRC. I got a bolt carrier group for my AR-15. That's the last piece I need other than optics. So I'll probably go out this weekend and see about firing it. So And then I'm all set. Tell us about this AR. Is it a build that you're doing? Well, it, uh, yeah, all I really needed was actually the bolt carrier group and then, and then the, uh, the optics. It was already pre-built for me. I thought it was originally a build. I thought I only had the upper, but I had everything I needed. Hmm. So it, it was, what brand? it's an NEA. It was gifted to me. So, Excellent. Yes, that's, that's the best thing about it. It was gifted to me by a very, very loving man. <laughs> I was going to say, you have a boyfriend that gives you AR-15. She's a keeper, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yep. Did you get anything Buzz. else from SFRC? They had a killer sale on here. Uh, nope, didn't get anything else. But uh, yeah, bunch yeah. Of ammo, what? primers, uh, powder, bunch of uh, reloading stuff. I did they see have, that email. That was a good deal. Yeah, they do have a bunch of powder in. So if you're looking for stuff like tight group and all that, yeah, they got a bunch of it. Oh man, I should so. I should check the account and send you some money and get you to pick some powder up, and then I'll just send it home with. Uh, Matthew and Jewel after the cherry shoot. Yeah, we can do that. Actually, I'll send you a, a, a text when I'm there next, and cool. yeah, we can talk. Awesome. So um, the AR was a gift from the boyfriend, but mm-hmm. wasn't the Beretta, or did you do that on your on your own? No, that was a gift too. Oh, so he's, <laughs> he's a good man, isn't he? Well, no. Well, he's one for one. He made up for the Beretta with the AR, I guess. Well, he sold the Beretta and got me and gave me his Glock though. Okay, so yeah, all right, no more strikes. He's doing good. And whose idea was it for you to get a Glock? Oh, I wanted the Glock. He didn't because. like the Glock, so I, I, he was going to sell the Glock as well, and I said, no, no, I want that. Who planted the seed that you should get a Glock? Oh yeah, that was you. It was okay. all you. <laughs> all right, there we go. Now I've got my credit. We can move on. Yes. We can, <laughs> Anything else, I'm Kelly? Done. No, I'm done. No, you're done. Okay. All right, upcoming events. The first annual Ronnie DeGroot Rockout with your Glockout Steel Challenge is coming together. All of the um, course of the fire have been established. Round counts will be announced soon, uh, but you can pretty much figure them out on your own if you know anything about Steel Challenge. The event will take place at the Rescue Gun Club on June 4th, registration at 9 a.m. The Steel Challenge stages used in the match will be the Accelerator, the Pendulum, Smoke and Hope, and showdown. So of the six stages that will comprise the Steel Challenge match itself, those are the four that come from the official Steel Challenge competition. The sixth annual charity, uh, sixth annual charity shoot in support of Soldier On will take place on June 25th in Kingston, Ontario at the Brockville District Fish and Game Club. If you're interested, then contact New Shooter Canada or check out the events page on Facebook. Kelly, anything to add to that? Yeah, just signed up before May 1st if you want your free T-shirt. If you want a T-shirt after that, you're more than welcome to buy one at the uh, charity shoot. Yeah. And we have some great people coming. Yeah, who's uh, who's new? We got. Uh, you want to tell about the newest person who's confirmed? Quasi-celebrity? Uh, yeah, Jody Matek has confirmed that he's going to be coming. Uh, he's the uh, counselor from Ottawa. And also he's a soldier on um, Soldier as well. So that's going to be cool. Recipient, so to speak. Recipient, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he's also person. the um, the gunny who was uh, attacked in the media a week. Was it a week or more after he 
put a tweet on Facebook about matching Sig P320s. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Anyway, so. so yeah, he's going to be there. I, I heard a rumor he may be coming on the show. Maybe. We're going to try and get him on. So, yeah. All kinds of big guests coming up lately. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, moving on, we have the Got Your Six Wounded Warrior Cherry Shoot being held at the Edson Fish and Game One Mile Range in Alberta. That's on the 16th, 17th of July. Go to gotyoursixshoot.com for more information. Thanks to Ryan Hall for putting that in. Um, Adriel, you want to grab the Rocky Mountain 300? Yeah, you bet. The Rocky Mountain 300 is coming up in June. It's uh, 300 rounds in five stages. There's a stage layout at rockymountain300.weebly.com. And uh, that'll be June 3rd to 5th at the Weld County Fish and Wildlife uh, uh, Range in Eaton, Colorado. Cool. Kelly, you want to take the next one? Uh, the ORA, in conjunction with the NCRRA, is putting on a precision rifle match in Connaught Range in Ottawa on May 7th and 8th. So that's coming up uh, quite soon. The match will be shot from the 200 to the 800 meter using the Dominion of Canada Rifle Association Precision Rifle Course of Fire. And for more information, go to the ORA website and uh, it's the Ontario Rifles Association.ca and follow the link up. That's at the bottom. Excellent. Um, Adriel, did you put in this uh, news item, or was that you, Matthew? No, it wasn't me. It was me. Oh, you, Kelly? Okay, (laughs) you want to take it then, please? Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a bag of guns that was found at the Sackville uh, High School. So this is just an update on it. The RCMP have issued a slew of charges against a Dartmouth teen, including conspiracy to commit murder, and accuse him of planning to commit a violent act earlier this month at Millwood High School in Middle Sackville. So this was not just uh, an innocent, random sort of boys playing with guns being boys. This was some serious... Right. So when we were talking about it, there was BB guns in the bag along yep. with the other rifles. So we thought maybe it was just, you know, two or three boys. Because originally they said there was two other boys that were actually arrested as well. Two, they were 15 and 17 as well. They're being charged with a number of uh, weapons charges as well. But the other kid, well, he's not really a kid if he's uh, 18 years old. He's being charged yeah. with actually uh, quite serious charges as well. So, but when you have BB guns in there, you were assuming that it was, you know. Yeah, exactly. Usually, uh, you know, most people understand that BB guns aren't actually going to hurt somebody in any sort of detrimental or serious way, unless you shoot them right in the eye, I guess. Mm. uh, No no kidding, Matthew. True story. There's a student at my wife's school who lost her eye to a BB gun. Huh. Well, there you go. You will shoot your eye out, kid. (laughs) Yep. It's true sometimes. Apparently, they were trying to shoot out the vice principal's eye. (laughs) Marie was initially charged with threatening the school vice principal. Wow. So, yeah, 18 years old. No, that's big boy. Um, He's going charges. to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to give an update on it. That, uh, you know what? It wasn't really what we were thinking it was. It was something a little bit more serious. Well, that so. was a good catch then on the, uh, yeah. on the part of the police. I'm glad they stopped whatever nefariousness it Ness was about to nefariousness. That's yeah, that's yeah. probably a word. Who nessnesses? Yeah, nessnesses. Yeah, I'm glad they stopped it because that would have been terrible. We don't need any of that crap going on. Yeah, they're still. The police say they're still investigating it. There's some other things that are going on with it as well. So, mm. anyways, follow ups are important, Kelly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we'll touch on something and then 
something will, will change and we won't even know about it or follow up on it. So that's cool. Glad you threw that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Adriel, did you put in this one from uh, Captain Sporting Clays? Yes, I'll uh, talk to this one. Uh, the South Caribou Sportsman's Association in Cache Creek, BC held their first CNSCA event. Everyone, uh, so this is from a, a newsletter here. Everyone I've heard back from said they had a great time and applauded the event. Thanks very much to Joe Hunter, who organized the event. Uh, congrats to Chris Papworth, who took the high overall spot. Shot Shell Sporting Clays in Valley View, Alberta put their seasoner, op- uh, put on their seasoner, o- season opener with three separate events taking place. Thank you very much to Colin Dixon for hosting this contender for shooters favorite. Congrats to the following high overall winners. Prelim, Hunter Brewster, Five Stand, Wayne Norton, Main Event, Eric Alexander. I understand Main Event, all the other stuff is Greek to me. They're uh, made up words. Yeah, shotgunners make up all kinds of words. Yeah, um, like there, there trap. Were also, there <laughs> the were also the some... Prelim, uh, sorry, prelim has got shot the most skeets, Adriel. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's uh I think that's exactly it. Um there were some more events there. I'm just going to add the uh events to the show notes so that if anyone out there likes shooting clays, they can uh go through and see those. I could talk about a little bit about the next one here as well, uh Trevor. I was uh, going to say the next one looks like work, so it probably was <laughs> you. So you go ahead and take the credit for it. Uh, okay, so we, uh, if you use uh, an Android mm. to listen to your podcast and you don't really like your podcast app, uh, Google Play supports podcasts now, and mm. we're on it. We just got uh, reviewed and approved, uh, so they must not have listened to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got reviewed and approved for that. Uh, I'll put the I'll put a better link than the one that they give to uh, share. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, again, if you're on an Android phone and you don't have a really great podcast app, uh, this can help. Hmm. Cool. All right. I'll get the next one. It's um, a news story that was sent in to us by uh, Jordan. I believe this is Jordan from North Vancouver, uh, who I will be hopefully hanging out with again this summer in August. Looking forward to that. Um, Jordan sends it in says, another case for home protection and concealed carry. I want to share a story with you. From the province.com by Brian Morton. A handgun was produced in a Richard, in a Richmond robbery Tuesday in which the victim was an 80 year old woman. RCMP said that shortly after 5 p.m., police responded to a home 160 in what the 160 in the 800, 8,000 block. What's the 160 in here? Is they have weird or? ways of. Can of, I not read addresses? No, it's terrible. <laughs> okay. They, have weird ad. Just say uh, Sesame Street. It says stop by. Say hi. Yeah. Um, so 160 in the 8,000 block of Williams Road of or at Williams Road for a report of a robbery with a firearm. The victim was at home. <laughs> There's the number 160. Who edited this? Put it in there. Blame <laughs> <laughs> Jordan. Jordan, way to go, Jordan. There's no punctuation. Listen, listeners, know I can't read. This is me not reading with no punctuation. There's literally no <laughs> punctuation in any of this. It's awful. The victim was at home when the suspect entered through an unlocked garage, 8230. <laughs> See the full text. You know what? Cut this whole thing. This is awful. Anyway, there's a link that the listeners can't click on because this is an audio podcast to the news story. I really want this cut. This was an abortion of a story. <laughs> Not your fault. Next Thursday, Slamfire, on Thursday, May 5th, we'll be doing a live show 
where you will get to see his podcast in our pajamas. <laughs> Wait, we have to wear clothes for that one, right? Because it's going to be like clothes. video. We agreed on pajamas. All right, pajama tops or pajama bottoms? Well, hey. for some of us, it'll be tops. <laughs> Depends on your anatomy. Uh, you'll be able to watch, comment, and ask questions for a live listener Q&A section of the show. Well, there's our main topic, guys. Mm-hmm. Our main topic will be the Q&A. That's, yeah, excellent. That just worked itself out nicely. Check out our Facebook page for a link to the event. I will be at Filthy's house for this. So this could be on May the 4th, be with you right before May Revenge of the 5th. So this will be interesting. I'll be at Filthy's next weekend when we do this live I'm show. I'm sure there will be a helmet on the show. There will be mine and my normal one that I wear around the house because I fall a lot. Right. And, uh, and, and Filthy will be there too. Filthy will be there and Mini-Me. And I'm trying to get Snuffleupagus to come too because we all have to be in Fredericton that weekend for a teacher thing. Mm. And uh, there's talk about going to Base Gauge Town and crawling around inside army tanks. Mm. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Say hi to Fred for me. I will. Just Fred? Piss on everybody else? Okay. We know who Kelly's favorite is. Well. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Anyways. All right, Fred. Kelly well, says hi. You know, filthy as well. Everybody. It's too late. But I just, it's, it's if you're going to Gagetown, as I said, go to say hi to Fred. Oh, the Gagetown thing. Okay. Because yeah. Fred, Fred will obviously be at Filthy's as well. So now I look like the a-hole. That, All right. Let's get on that, to our main topic. This week, we have an interview with President of the CCFR, Rod Giltaka, to discuss the hopefully soon-to-be-dead-in-the-water Bill S-223. Joining us this week, we have Rod Giltaka. Rod is the president of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights and owner of Civil Advantage Firearms Training. Rod, welcome back to Slamfire Radio. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's truly our pleasure. We're uh, happy to have you back on. We asked you to come on this week, Rod, to give us your take on Bill S-223, as ironic a name as that is. Um, there's been a lot of hoopla about it uh, in the mostly online I haven't really seen anything about it in the mainstream media, but um, you just happened to put out a video giving your thoughts on the bill. Before you give us your thoughts on the bill, could you maybe give us some background as to where this came from, the senator that that drafted this thing, a little bit of its history, and and maybe bring us up to where we are today? Um, Well, I can't claim to be the expert on that, but uh, this is a bill that was uh, brought out, I don't know, what was it? I, mean, I think about two years ago, she gave this a try. And of course, uh, it was such a ridiculous bill that no one took it seriously. I think it died. It never went to committee. Um, like I say, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in these, in these matters, but, no, uh, but just, you're, you're certainly more credible than we are. So that's why you're here. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like you, I am aware that under the conservatives, it was introduced and it didn't go anywhere. So, well, yeah. She's quote unquote revamped it and reintroduced it again under a liberal government. But what's what? What are the nuts and bolts? What is she asking here? What is this bill all about? Some kind of Firearms Act reformation? Yeah, reform? I think there's yeah, I think there's some changes to the Firearms Act and or the Criminal Code. And you know, the I think the most uh, the most concerning parts. And I mean, bear in mind when we talk about this thing, we're talking about something so ridiculous that I would I would think it would be political suicide for any. Uh, politician to, to support it. But anyway, she, uh, she believes that, uh, us licensed gun owners, what's that? Let's, let's, let's take a step back. Who is she? She is, oh, n- nice one. You set me up for that one. <laughs> it's, uh, C- Céline Herbert Payette, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Honorable Céline Helvio. Helvio. 
Helvio Payette, yeah, and I'm French and I can't even pronounce it. So uh, a, a senator from Quebec is enough, right? Yeah, yeah, and well, she's not even a senator anymore. Thank goodness. Right, thank goodness. Yeah, carry yeah. on. But uh, but yeah, she's come up with these uh, totally insane ideas, like all firearm owners, licensed firearm owners that own semi-autos, we're going to flip the classification of semi uh, for, for regular non-restricted semi-autos to restricted. Basically, it's almost like she wants to. Uh, create a, a new category and uh, we can't keep them in our homes. It's just too dangerous and we can't be trusted. And we're expected to um, register uh, any semi-auto as a sort of restricted firearm. She calls them um, circumscribed firearm for so whatever. This is, uh, who knows. this is any and all semi-automatic center fire long guns. Yeah, you bet. And then, so they'll now be registered uh, they'll have an inscription certificate, <laughs> and we'll get into that later because there, there's actually uh, it's kind of an interesting story. But uh, primarily the biggest thing uh, is that we won't be able to keep these guns at home anymore. They're just too dangerous. Uh, they'll all have to be kept in a central vault facility at shooting clubs, which I guess we'll have to pay for, and we can't move them back and forth anywhere without using a service like Loomis or Brink's armored car, and we'll have to pay for that too just to move our, our guns back and forth wherever they need to, to be. So I would imagine, and this is just speculation, my gun breaks or I need to have some kind of modification made, I have to call Brinks to come and pick up my gun at the, at the shooting club and drive it over to the gun shop to be repaired. So my question is, how long before, um, because Brinks, as we know, is is a huge conglomerate, and they have trucks on every street. So it should be no problem. Like, I'm probably not going to have to wait a long time to have my guns moved from my home to this newly built central storage facility at the gun range. That should happen, like, within a couple of days of the bill passing. I hope this is sarcasm. Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, my sarcasm is at a whole new level. That's like ninja level. Yeah, you took it to a new level on that one. Yeah, let's think about that for a second, uh, just to go to prove the point of how asinine this is. She's saying that we can't have the semi-autos in our home. We can't be trusted to transport the semi-autos. So Loomis or Brinks or, or some armored courier company is literally going to go around to all the Canadian firearms owners' homes and pick up their firearms and transport them to these facilities? That seems to be the idea, yeah. Um, sure. well thought out. So, yeah. Okay. yeah, so so crazy. And, um, you know, that's I mean, where is this infrastructure? Who's going to pay for it? Like it, the, almost the whole discussion really stops past that because you're like, okay, well, hold on, who's going to comply with this? And and what recourse does the government, and we'll just use that, you know, coverall term, the government, have against, you know, millions of law-abiding citizens that are saying, no, I'm not taking my guns anywhere. I own them. I haven't shot anyone or threatened anyone. And I'm not paying for any central storage facilities. I'm not paying for any armored car services. So what are they going to do? Start kicking doors in? Because I think I think it's really important. And I, you know, I always think about Think, think about things from this perspective and even in other topics. What recourse are you, how far are you willing to go with your citizens? You know, that's oh. a real question that people don't think about, right? How far is the government willing to go to get compliance and what does that look like? And if, and if it's not palatable, if it's not realistic or, you know, people don't have the stomach for it, you know, then we shouldn't even be talking about these crazy things. Thank, thank goodness we have a slightly different mentality in the North than there is in the South. But when you ask the question, how far are our governments willing to go? Are you familiar with Ruby Ridge? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they started, uh, you know, 
the things that happened in Ruby Ridge, I'll let the listeners look it up if they don't know, but that was over a couple of sawed-off shotguns. They were shooting women and children. So, as I said, luckily Canada is not um, is not that far gone yet. But ultimately, I mean, how does the government enforce compliance at the end of a gun, right? In the, at the end of the day, if you don't do what the government tells you to do, they will come and take you away and arrest you. But this is, this is a, like you said, awfully big. Can they enforce something like this? No, it's pretty unrealistic in, in these huge numbers. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not a realistic idea at all. You know, I, I did see the same idea from what was that guy? The, um, uh, he's a professor at, uh, at uh, University of Toronto or something like that. Wasn't he Bill? Uh, no. Something Ron Chirac? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, what a nut. You know, he, he had the same idea. He, he was, uh, you know, had a story in the Red Star, the Toronto Red Star, that, you know, this is what, what needs to happen, these central facilities. Can you imagine if you're a hardcore criminal and you have some resources and you know that scattered all over the country are these clubs that have like hundreds or thousands of firearms and ammunition there. And you only had to hit one location to have more firearms than you can ever sell and use in your life. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's, a, it's this whole thing's a hallucination, but you know, as you'll see this summer where my club is located, it's uh, it's five kilometers in, into the middle of the woods, like the mm. middle of nowhere. Uh, you could run all the power tools you want in the middle of the night and no one would ever hear you for kilometers. So it's just no, not uh, not realistic. Okay, what are some of the other um, some of the other things? No, no semi-autos will be kept at home. Um, no transporting of your own firearms. Uh, but I, but I hear that she wants to promote hunting and recreational shooting. <laughs> I, I've not read any of that in the bill. She says it, but she doesn't go on to explain how this will uh, promote hunting. Well, because because she's uh, you get to keep your hunting rifle, and oh. she's also giving you an option to go to the club and because your gun's there. See, it's no big deal. I don't know why you're making such a big deal about it, Trevor. You know, I, I'm easily worked up, Rod. I mean, it's <laughs> just what it is. This, you're right. This does seem relatively uh, reasonable. Um, okay, so where are we at with this, Rod? Is there a sense um, within the pro-gun lobby groups that have been talking to their contacts in Ottawa, uh, talking among themselves, is there a sense that this is going anywhere or it's dead in the water already? How far? Oh, let's start with this, Rod. How far has it gone? Officially. Yeah, it's just got its second reading. So usually bills like this um, die before they go to committee or they die in committee. But it's my understanding. My I've already given you my disclaimer that I'm not an expert in this, how this all works. But it's my understanding that uh, now that she's um, retired, there is no sponsor for the bill. And without a sponsor, it dies on the order table. So no one stepped up as far as I know to sponsor it. They'd be crazy to do so. So I think it's just going to die off. Um, I will say one thing is uh, I haven't had experiences with members of our community who are – now I'm not going to use the word alarmist. Maybe they're just uh, hypersensitive and they're just like, this is the beginning and you know all that kind of stuff. And I tend to just look at this and say you know, the, the firearms community of today is not the firearms community of the early 90s. We communicate super fast. We where you know, a large um, portion of the community is very involved in the issues. Uh, if something were to were to go, start going sideways, I think you'd see a, a lot of activism, uh, activism, pardon me, and you'd see it quickly. So I don't know. I don't think they can really slip one by us. So I'm, that's why one of the reasons why I'm kind of just confident this will go away and then they'll try something different later. Now, 
looking at where it is then with her being retired, um, no one stepping up to sponsor the bill. What does that mean ultimately? Like how long is it, is it now officially dead or is there a window here where they, where they will allow, okay, we need uh, to find a sponsor for this bill to continue moving it forward within the next month, three months, or it's dead. Do we know if there's an established timeline or kind of policy on this sort of thing? I heard it was two weeks. Yeah, two it's weeks. 15, so it's yeah. 15 days that they, if they, if it's on the floor and it's been read, it has to be within uh, 15 days. And if nobody actually uh, sponsors it, continues to sponsor it, then it is a dead bill. And that was so. She retired on Monday or Friday. 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 So she retired on Friday. So we're a couple of days into this 15 days. Let's say some other nut bar um, decides they want to sponsor this. What would possibly be the next step then? It's been read twice. When these things go, I don't know how bills become law. Forgive my ignorance. You're certainly more familiar with this process than I am, Rod. What's the next step for this thing if it was to go as she would intend? Well, it sounds like uh, Kelly's more of a... <laughs> an expert because well, well, okay, I think well, it goes whoever. to a third reading and then to committee, doesn't it? I'm not yes. sure. Yes, yeah, it goes to a third uh, reading and then it goes to committee and they vote. So, um, yeah, I'm not thinking it's going to go anywhere. When she submitted it two years ago, it also went to second reading and it died on the floor as well. So it it wasn't it, it didn't go anywhere. So I'm thinking that again, it'll be political suicide, as Rod was saying, if somebody picks it up and sponsors it. So. So in reality, is it fair to say we're actually in better shape this time than we were last time because it has lost its sponsor? Oh yes, yep. Okay. I think I think she did it because of the fact that she wanted to have a little legacy before. <laughs> a legacy of insanity. Yeah, yeah. just what that's a, what I'd like. Yeah. yeah, that's what I want to be remembered for coming up with yeah. the most asinine idea in the history of politics. Um, now, you mentioned the word fear-mongering, Rod, and uh, how quickly we can get rallied now than we could back in the early 90s. I mean, we had fax machines in the 90s, but we certainly – and there was email was coming along, but it certainly was not the social media juggernaut that we see before us today. Um, I don't mind that some that this freaked people out a little bit because I think every once in a while people need a reminder that that side is still out there working against us, and um, – We'll get complacent, right, if we don't kind of have something to rally around. You mentioned in your video, which was excellent, by the way, and the the listeners should should go check it out on the uh, Civil Advanced Firearms YouTube channel, your thoughts and opinions on this bill. Um, You mentioned the CZ858 and the Swiss Arms grab and how that had rallied us up again for the first time in a long time. And I think this, in in a lesser degree, did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the more the more guns they try to cast a net over, the more people get involved, right? So, you know, with the CZ858 and Swiss Arms, these are semi-auto kind of military-style firearms. You know, no different than regular firearms, but, you know, some people see them differently for whatever reason. But, you know, that was 13,000 rifles in total, I think. Discrimination. It's discrimination is what it is. No, yeah. one's, no one's born seeing rifles differently. It's something they, they're taught along the way. Yeah, it's because I'm a semi-auto, isn't it? Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> well, my, my AR identifies itself as a single-shot bolt-action rifle now these days, and you can't say otherwise. Otherwise, you're discriminatory. That's hateful. That is it's very hateful. Yeah, so. But uh, yeah, I mean this this whole thing. I, I well, I agree with you. Uh, definitely, we need to stay on our toes. But I think we're we're very well connected. 
Um, you know, we have a new firearms organization that will be uh, bringing a lot of the undecideds and a lot of the, the, the people that weren't as polarized maybe as before. Um, so I think we're well covered on the uh, on the activism side and, and we're all very connected. And when, when something happens, word travels around like it's it's not it doesn't take an hour for, mm-hmm. you know, a huge percentage of the uh, of the active firearm community to know what's going on. Like It takes no time at all. So we're in good shape there. Yeah, we're so connected that news pretty much happens live globally. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly, I'd like to switch gears, but before we do, do you have any other final questions or thoughts or comments on S23 for Rod? Um, no, not really. I, you know, I think pretty much it's, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. Good. All right. <laughs> Um, so, Rod, let's take a quick second here and uh, chat a little bit about our favorite pro-gun organization, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, of which you are the president, as we said earlier. Um, how are things going? Any updates? Anything new coming down the pipe? I know I'm throwing this at you, like, right off of the cuff, but and you weren't prepared for that. But, uh, you know, like, what's new and what's exciting? Well, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. It's um, It's been a ton of work, right? And you're, you're involved as well. And, and this is an all-volunteer organization. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people working really hard, but, you know, let's stop for a second, Rod, let's stop for a second and touch on that. That is very important to point out because I know that people, you know, where's my membership card? The people that are processing your membership cards have other careers, other jobs, families, hobbies, you know, we don't have a paid staff at the CCFR. All of your money goes to delivering programs for you, not to paying salaries. So, just, just something that I don't think can be emphasized enough that it is an all organization, all volunteer organization rather. So I just wanted to kind of really drive that point home. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And th- and that's actually a statement of value. That's what the value of the CCFR is certainly right now. Is not only just the type of organization being a public relations organization um, and a, a, a organization based on reasonable principles, but also that we're all volunteers. So every dollar that uh, that uh, gets into the organization through membership or donation or contests or whatever actually goes into growing the organization and, you know, executing these programs, not, you know, burning up an overhead or mm-hmm. legal fees <laughs> or anything yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> or like that, right? Like, I mean, it's your, every dollar goes to goes to the fight. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, sorry? I think it also, Rod, it speaks to the fact that those of us that are there are there because we want to be. We didn't need a job, and we applied, and we got it. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we're all there because this is where we want to be, and this is the group we want to be working for. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's um, I can't emphasize uh, enough how much uh, commitment there is. Um, there's a there's a core group of people that do the you know a lot of work, the majority of the work, and then there's uh, other people doing work where they can, and then there's other people that are just sort of involved social media wise that you know aren't doing that much just yet because we're we haven't grown to involve everybody, but I'll tell you the people that are in the in the core really doing the heavy lifting. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's 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 a little manic in there, right? We're we're doing a lot of work that uh, that uh, other organizations get paid for. So it's it truly is a, a passionate organization. But um, the you know, I think when we first started, we had moved so quickly and done so much. Now, bear in mind, we even today we're still only open for six months. Um, but there was so much moving so quickly. That recently there's been a, a little bit of a lull where we're we're still building infrastructure. We're doing a bunch of gun shows and stuff, but it's not all high-profile stuff like in the beginning. But uh, I will report. I'll give you a little peek under the hood. Uh, some very privileged information. 
that uh, I finished uh, all the content for the website that is required as the infrastructure to do the PSA. I finished all that stuff yesterday and all Wonderful. the content, all the videos, uh, even new videos that I've made for that website um, has all gone to the, to the uh, web developer. It should be done today or tomorrow. We'll, uh, we'll look through the site, make sure, sure it's okay, and, and hopefully get that uh, site up and running so we can tell people about it. Um, I'll, I'll even tell you, you'll be the first people to know what the domain, domain is. It's gundebate.ca. Another uh, slam fire scoop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys are always on the on the bleeding edge, but anyway, that site, uh, you know, you won't see the the inner, you know, the inside of it, but the domain is up. And uh, once that site turns on, we are free to uh, release the, the the public service announcement, and that's what's been holding that up. Um, I'm a couple of months behind because that site was a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, we're really, literally, almost there. So once we do that, just to let you know, and this is ex- this is the exciting point, is we'll have our public service announcement. We'll have a really, you know, uh, information-rich site to go to to push people to. And at the same time, because we have purchased an actual Newswire uh, press release service, we'll be doing a press release about being the first organization, firearms organization in Canadian history to do that. And that news uh, wire, that uh, press release will actually be uh, out on the wire, as it were, the actual news wire. And that costs a lot of money. Um, I, I think, and I'm, I may not be correct on this, but it's my impression that we're also the first firearm organization in Canada ever to use an actual wired news release. Most, wow. most of them just do, here's our press release. It's on our website. You know, um, we'll send it around to here, there, you know, but no, no one's ever used a news wire service as far as I know. So, Big things are coming soon, like within weeks. So it's been a been a lot of work. It's been a lot of time coming, but it's it's still coming. Awesome, and um, that's all very exciting. And along with that, the AGM is right around the corner. Uh, yeah, another uh, another CCFR first, as I mentioned in a video a little while back. Um, this is going to be uh, a, a one of a kind AGM. Basically, the AGM will be broadcast live on the internet. Uh, using uh, completely secure online voting that's uh, used for a number of other nonprofits. And so every single member of the CCFR will have a vote and be able to do that in real time where they'll see us at, you know, at our boardroom table going through all the, uh, going through all the details for the AGM. And then we'll have a big social after where we're all going to get together and do whatever, drink beer and talk about guns. It's going to be great. I can't imagine. <laughs> That sounds like too much fun. Well, that's outstanding, Rod. Um, I appreciate you coming on tonight to uh, kind of calm the waters about S223 and cut through some of the, the, the lore and the myth and, uh, and certainly the, up, the, uh, yeah, the update on CCFR was uh, excellent as well. Any uh, final questions or thoughts for Rod, Kelly, before we cut them loose? Sure. So one of the questions I had in regards to C, um CCFR is. Please what don't ask them where your card is. Uh, you know what? They got. <laughs> hey, I checked Facebook today, and it looks like they've been shipped out today. Excellent. So anybody who's looking for an update, they've been shipped out. Um, so if anybody has any special um, skills, let's say, and that that want to actually volunteer, help out, and all that as well, how can they? How can they help out? Uh, they can or, contact us uh, through our our Facebook page, uh, or they can they can email us. Um, now you've put me on the spot. I don't know what that email is. I think it's info at firearmrights.ca. Okay. 
and firearm being singular. Okay. Yeah, which yeah, our, our URL, if anybody would like to go over to the website, sign up or make a donation, is firearmrights.ca. Awesome. So, and just to confirm, uh, so I looked it up while you guys were chit-chatting about uh, the bill itself. There's the first reading, the second reading, then you have a committee stage, a report stage, a third reading, and then you have the royal assent. So you're right about uh, what it would take to actually get it into royal assent. So. Yeah. so we're not even close, and she lost no. the sponsor. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, and and the Senate, as as far as I'm aware, is still controlled by conservative appointed senators. Mm-hmm. I heard that as well. Yeah, I went through and had a look at at uh, who all the senators were, and uh, you are correct in that. Awesome. Any any final thoughts, Rod? Before we uh, set you free? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I will. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a while, and uh, don't be a stranger. Awesome. Thank you very much, Rod. Yeah, all right, take care, fun. guys. Once again, we'd like to thank Rod for all of the hard work that he's doing and for coming on to the show to give us an update on uh, Bill S-223. So I think he's right. I think it's uh, much ado about nothing. Well, good. I haven't heard the interview yet because I wasn't on, so uh, I'm glad to hear that that's the conclusion. Yeah, well, basically, Matthew, when she retired, and she retired, she was forced into mandatory retirement on Friday. Uh, she was the bill's sponsor, and the bill doesn't move forward without a sponsor, and nobody stepped up to sponsor it yet. And there are 15 days in order to find a new sponsor, and if they don't find a new sponsor, then the bill dies. Very good. Sponsor. Say sponsor one more time. I, I just said it. I, one more. No, no, one more time. Sponsor. There you go. <laughs> All right. Shall we, uh, shall we jump into some listener feedback? Let's. All right, then. Uh, who wants to take the first one? <laughs> Matthew does. There you oh go. boy! All right, from William. Greetings, Gun Nation and Slam Fire crew. Who's okay? Okay, thank thank you. Um, I have heard. Does about... he know Doc's not here? I don't know. All right, maybe Doc is here. We don't know. I don't know. No, I I know it. Yeah, yeah. I was talked about a thing on. I I wrote into Slayer. I I audio recorded a message to Gun Nation. So I think that's what this is. Uh... Okay. Maybe he also wrote this to Gun Nation. I would assume so, yeah. But So, yeah. people who listen to both are going to hear this twice. The best was when somebody wrote this show instead of the Reloading Podcast. Right. <laughs> All right, so William writes, I heard about the issues with the Franken gun having trouble with steel-cased ammo. Going from memory, but if I understand correctly, the gun works fine with brass and lacquered steel case, but not with plain steel case. Was that, is that just- the case? Oh, let me just jump in. It's not a Franken gun. It's actually a purpose-built uh, NEA AR-15 chambered in 7.62 by 39. It wasn't uh, converted over from a 5.56 gun to a, a 7.62 gun. And um, yes, the, ma- the the weak link is the magazines. The magazines bind up with non-lacquered case 7.62 ammo. The lacquered cases seem to provide a lubricant and and they slide up the mag easy. The dry, unlacquered steel cases kind of drag in the mag, and then the uh, nose of the bullet dips and doesn't chamber. All right. Uh, He writes on, he says, I'm a bit surprised that Doc didn't offer a somewhat scientific possible explanation, but then it is out of his area of expertise, just like it is mine, chemistry and physics majors. Here's what could possibly be happening. First, the issue could involve the friction between the cases in the chamber. 
from the engineer's handbook, the coefficient of friction between the brass and steel is about 0.35, while steel on steel is 0.5 to 0.8, depending on the alloy. That's considerably higher. I used to have a 9mm pistol that fed brass-cased ammo fine, but choked on the aluminum stuff. The coefficient of friction between aluminum and steel is about 0.6. That could be the entire explanation. For what it's worth, I couldn't find data for lacquer, but most plastics on steel have a coefficient less than brass on steel, and uh, that would support my hypothesis. If I have it backwards, I could also be wrong about the coefficient of friction between lacquer and steel. So basically, he covers his butt and says, if it was this, it's that. And if it wasn't, well, I was wrong, and it's probably this. So maybe it's that. <laughs> and and in both in both cases, he's wrong, because the problem is not in in the firearm. The problem is the the rounds don't leave the magazine and enter the fire right so it was a problem with uh yeah but anyway he's probably correct in the fact that the lacquer provides a lower coefficient of friction which allows the rounds to operate in the mags more properly correct so he is correct what i thought i would do would be to um, put in a full length or as much of a full length magazine spring into that little 10 round mag as possible right to increase the uh reliability on the follower but i just sold it instead cool that's that's the best way to get rid of it. He he goes on with about, about, uh, about a bunch of other stuff, but it's not related because it turns out it was about the magazine, not about the firearm. So, William, we thank you for your email. And he does finish it off saying, at any rate, just a couple of explanations from my limited knowledge on the subject. And we all know what they say about a little bit of knowledge. It can be a dangerous thing. Enjoy both of your shows. I've already given two thumbs up to Slamfire and offer two more if that is permissible. However, Doc is laying down on the job. Work versus podcasting. Get your priorities straight, Doc. Podcasting comes first. Mm. So, thank you, William, mm. and your engineering expertise on frictions and coefficients. And he gave two extra thumbs up. So, so that's two more. Yep. Yep. So, Kelly, you want to get this one from Tony? Yep. It says, hello, gentlemen and lady. I just wanted uh, to update you on some recent developments with the CFO abuse of power in the province of Manitoba. I signed up for the ATR Carbine Operator Level 1 course this summer and found out the CFO has had some words with the course instructor and has effectively cancelled the course. The CFO supposedly has gone so far as to say, as to say, uh, the instructor trains terrorists. Ooh. And threatens to shut down the range if the uh, training continues without her authorization. It's quite interesting considering the trainers of the course is a veteran of the Canadian uh, Forces uh, Closed Protection Unit, or PMC, PMC, uh, and now uh, currently serving as a municipal police service in Saskatchewan. Either way, I just wanted to raise awareness of this issue, and if you care to read more, here's the conversation on Facebook about it. And he posted that as well. Thanks for all your efforts, or your, all your time and efforts. So, he had the details of the course, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy that the CFO is going, no, 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 you're not allowed to put on courses because you train terrorists. That's pretty serious well. allegations. It is. It happened in Quebec as well. Uh, Dave from Caps was shut down by the Quebec CFO. I mean, if they're saying you're you're training terrorists, I want to see an arrest. I don't. I mean, if somebody's training terrorists, that's serious. Either arrest them. Or, what? That's libel. And yeah. And, so uh, so either arrest them or don't say that and let them train honest, upstanding Canadian citizens who want to go learn how to run a firearm. And if the CFO was foolish enough to put that in writing, I hope it lands her butt in court because. That's a slanderous, liable statement. Absolutely. They de- oh, oh, man, that just that, that grinds my gears. 
and it should. And uh, I think if more CFOs knew about the courses that were going on, some of the things that that we've organized, they would probably uh, they would probably try and put the kibosh on it as well. I don't know if they would hear. I mean, we would always say, "Hey, <laughs> we had RCMP supervision at our course." But That's right. They wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't accept that. If they didn't want it to happen. No. Well, that's the it, thing. The CFO has pretty, basically unlimited power. They can do whatever they want discretionarily. Mm-hmm. There I am making up another word. It's a, it's a form of gun control. Um, yeah. We, we, we license you to have them, but uh, we don't want you to, to train with them, my God. No, no. no. Heaven, heaven forbid you become a better shot than law enforcement. Right. Hmm. So. Don't you think that it'd be a good idea if people are actually going to go and shoot a gun, they know how to use one? Hmm. Just saying. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but their idea of using it is we want you to stand on the line with nice, slow, controlled fire under the immediate supervision of a range officer. We don't want you to become adequate, or you know, become skilled at at running and gunning, and mm. so mm-hmm. terrible. All right. Um, next, we have one from Robert. Uh, Robert says, "I live in Georgia, and I listen to your show every week." We're sorry, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Georgia. I really like hearing about the gun culture in Canada. I just wanted to let Trevor know I traded my Kimber 1911 for a Smith & Wesson 6A6. Now, see, there's a good move. There's just, I know you're thinking he traded a semi-auto for a revolver, but he traded an antiquated uh, Right, because an automatic pistol is more antiquated than a revolving pistol. Which this was the one first is, yeah. one that came out was revolvers. Yeah. I'm just saying your logic does not flow well here. It doesn't have to, as long as I believe that I'm right. <laughs> carry on. Um, Smith and Wesson 686 revolver. I'm sure he will be pleased. I am much pleased. My wife really likes the manatee, so I would like to offer up two manatee flippers and to add to the two flukes. Thanks for the show every week. You're quite welcome, and thank you for the manatee flippers. Um, I had a, a direct comparison this afternoon with the Smith and Weston 686 and a Ruger GP100. The barrel actually on the GP100, um, Snuffleupagus got himself a 4.2 inch, and I thought that the barrel actually looked shorter on the uh, Ruger than on the Smith and Weston, but the, but in fact it is not. But that Ruger man is made, and ironically, it has a <laughs> a Kimber spring kit in the Ruger revolver. <laughs> Nice. And my revolver has the Jerry Michalik Bangs Ink Spring Kit, so I thought it was pretty slick. I thought it had shortened up the, uh, the or not shortened up, but reduced the double action trigger pull significantly, and it did. It took it down from about 12 pounds to 8 pounds, and I've got a little screw on the mainspring that I can turn it down even more, but then I start to flirt with weak primer strikes. But the Kimber Spring Kit that uh, Snuffy has in his Ruger is amazing. It cleaned the because Ruger trigger Rugers are known to have a uh, they're built like tanks and they have a pretty rough trigger but this thing cleaned it up very nicely it actually has a nicer trigger than my Smith but that the grip angle on a Ruger is really cool too I don't know if you guys have played with either one but it's 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 quite straight it's not that traditional curvy revolver type grip it's it's a Hogue overlay rubber grip but it's straight so it kind of feels like a semi-auto would feel in your hand. And then you've got all of the cylinder craziness going on the front. But Yeah, I like uh, the GP100. Yeah. And he got it, he got it like practically new in the box for 600 bucks. Oh, man. Awesome. They're really inexpensive compared to this missile weapons. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Cool. Good, good score. Good trade. 
Um, if anyone would like to write the show to tell us about how they got rid of a uh, antiquated 1911 for a more <laughs> modern revolver, uh, you can do so by writing slamfireradio at gmail.com. iTunes reviews. Our um, self-proclaimed admin, God lover, um, has sent us in two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adriel, you want to grab them? You haven't... Uh... Yeah, sure. I'll grab this first one here. It's from Canadian Packers fan. Five stars. Title Fantastic. The review on it is great show with great hosts. They sometimes squirrel off, but it's all part of the entertainment. Cool. And the uh-huh. second one here is from Armor666, also in Canada. Five stars. And the title is Entertainingly Good Show. Uh, he goes on. This is a fun show to listen to, to even though they're a dysfunctional bunch. They bring uh-huh. great information on the Canadian sports shooting scene wrapped in a good dose of humor. You can write the host, Trevor Furlot, with any of your questions about SKSs or 1911s. <laughs> Perfect. No. No, no. No, no. That's exactly what you do, folks. Yep. 1911 yep. questions and SKS. He knows all about SKS. the trigger jobs, yep. um, mm-hmm. which ATI stocks are the best in them. And he knows how to make an AR-15 mag fit in an SKS. You should write him. <laughs> write him for details on how to do that. What I don't know is how to put a little piece of molded 3D plastic onto the back of an SKS to take an AR-15 Magpul prison stock. I don't know how to do that. So don't ask him that. That's the only thing you can't ask him, though. Everything don't, else, don't, though. Yeah. Don't ask me about putting stocks onto a gun that costs more than the gun. So, good. Shoutouts? Yeah, I got one. All right. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I probably should be thanking my boyfriend for giving me all the guns, apparently, because he's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of embarrassing for you that this didn't occur to you sooner. <laughs> well, no, I thank him regularly, but yeah. Anyways. All right. All right. Place on Friday. Yeah. Um, I've got a shout out to TD for the sweet additions to my ammunition collection. Um, so the listeners know that I've been working on a cartridge collection for a while now. And every once in a while, a listener is putting puts something in the mail for me from both sides of the border, which is awesome. Well, they just send me brass and I have to assemble it when it gets here, but... Um, I got a 6.5 Carcano and a couple of other ones that I haven't even identified yet, but the 6.5 Carcano was pretty neat. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the 6.5 Carcano, that's the round that goes in the old Italian bolt action rifle that, uh, unfortunately was used in the assassination of JFK. So it's, uh, kind of a historical thing, you know, it's like, oh, this one is this, this one is this. Oh, that's the one that shot Kennedy. And then there's this one. Yeah. Well, they also anyway. uh, they they dropped a lot of them in World War II. Did they? <laughs> uh, new rifle, never shot, only dropped once. Yeah. All right, and um, all for the last couple of days, I've been trying to remember the other one I have. Somebody, one of the listeners, did something for me, and I didn't write it down, and I forgot who or what it was. So, if you if you're out there and you did something for me. I, f- I, you know, please forgive me for forgetting, but thank you for doing it. Just going to follow that cryptic message there. <laughs> I know it's lame, but... <laughs> I thank you. You know stuff. who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. And you know <laughs> I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. <laughs> I really appreciate it, although I can't remember your name. <laughs> or, or specifically what <laughs> it was that you did. <laughs> so, very yeah. good. I went Next. for uh, lunch with a uh, listener, Jason. Um, I didn't get a sub out of him yet. I, I will one of these days. I will get a sub, but not Doing today. Doing it wrong, man. 
Like a yeah. sub sandwich, or like he hasn't subscribed to your TV show or your sub sandwich. The guy who keeps going to Subway. Yeah, yeah. Huh? No Subway yet. He needs to give you a sub. We told yeah. him on the first day, Matt, who he was doing it wrong, but apparently, apparently, he's still doing it wrong. Huh? So you got to be cooler yeah. or something. Puppy dog eyes, or I don't, yep. I don't know. Something. Yeah, you got to hug them when you see when you see listeners. Listeners, this is something you don't know about Adriel. He's a hugger. Oh, well, that's, that's so, what I was missing. So if yeah, you see no. Adriel on the street, you got to hug him. And if you hug him, he'll buy you a sub. He's oh, got no, go. no um, concept of personal space whatsoever. Like, there's no <laughs> bubble. You just get right in there. No, yeah. Two arms. In fact, he's too close to me right now, but, you know, whatever. If you sniff his ear, he'll get you a cookie <laughs> with a sub. <laughs> so. Do that French two-kiss thing. Yeah. Y- yes. Oh, well, I mean, your last name's Michaud, right? So that's French. Yeah. So yeah. The, the whole double kiss on the cheeks. Oh, yeah. 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 Or lick. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yep. And huh. he's the classy one, kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matthew, while we're in here, I want to give a little update on the uh, class that you and I are going to be teaching. Matthew and I were talking the other day. We talk every once in a while about the curriculum that we're developing for the class. And I had an idea that we would uh, compile a, an email distribution list for everyone that's in the class and send you an email asking you, when the class is done, what is it that you would like to say that you have learned? So by the end of the weekend, I would like to know how to blank, finish that statement, so to speak. Like, what is it that you want to get out of the class? What is it that you want to learn? So rather than us compile an email distribution list and rather than us send you an email, we are. Because that's know. work, and frankly, right. we don't want to do that. So instead of doing that, <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you're taking our class, please send the show an email or Facebook us and let us know what you want to get out of this class so it can help us direct our curriculum. We don't want to get out there and teach you a bunch of stuff that you don't need to know or want to know or already know how to do. It is handgun fundamentals, so we're teaching fundamental stuff and beginner stuff, but what is it that you want to get out of it most of all? Okay, so think about that for a while and send us a message so that we can uh, finalize our curriculum. Anything else before we sign this one off? I don't think so. All right, then. Please join one of our national firearms associations, such as the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights or the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. It's important to support. <laughs> Sorry. Or the Canadian Shooting Sports Associations. There are a couple others out there, too. Join whichever ones uh, you see fit more, or be a superhero and join them all. It's important to support those people who are supporting us. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. As far as likes go, we need some. We're only at 1,426 on Facebook. We have 97 thumbs up, five gold stars. How do you get? Okay, yeah, because, all right. Uh, and counting, of course. Two flukes, two manatee flippers. So you can't, you know, because manatee. Because manatee. Yeah. yeah. So graceful. Yeah, so um, until our live show next week, everybody, stay safe. That's it. No, just stay safe. <laughs> yeah. All right, stay, stay classy, stay sta- San Diego, huh? I'm a manatee. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.